It's, it's 1 Kings 19, verses 19 through 21 in the NIV. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing, plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and drew his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. I'm trying to make sure you hear it. <laughs> Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Lord, I ask for your power, your grace to reside upon me to bring a word for your people. Allow me to bring a word for them to help them move on to the next level of their lives, to leave things behind they need to leave behind. And if they don't have the intestinal fortitude to do it, Lord, I ask for you to do it for them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. As you take your seat, I want to speak to you from the subject, let it burn. Let it burn. I, I'm not Usher, but let it burn. I ain't going to sing to you, but let, let, it, let it burn. Elijah's call to Elisha was a call that demanded surrender and obedience to the Lord. Heeding the command of God, Elijah left Mount Sinai and stuck out and struck out to pursue the mission, the new mission God had given him. First, he went to Elisha to issue the most important call assigned to him, the call of his replacement. When he found Elisha, the young man was not idle but rather working hard in the fields, plowing. Walking up to the young man, Elijah unexpectedly threw his cloak around Elisha. And then instead of stopping, Elijah continued on his journey, leaving it up to Elisha to decide whether or not to follow him. Throwing the cloak around the shoulders of a person was a symbol of God's call. In this case, it was a symbol that the young man was to be Elijah's successor, and that he was being chosen to bear the mission of the prophet. Responding immediately to God's call, Elisha ran after Elijah and requested him to stay to say farewell to his father and mother. Elijah granted him permission to say his farewells, but he strongly encouraged Elisha to consider God's call and not to change his mind. With permission granted, the young appointee returned briefly to his family to celebrate his appointment and departure with a final meal. Note what else Elisha did. As a symbol of turning from his old life to a new life, he slaughtered his oxen and burned the plowing equipment. He was definitely breaking the, with his old life and beginning a new service of the Lord. Sitting, sitting, <laughs> sitting down with his family and friends, he enjoyed a final meal with them, then he set out to join Elijah to become the, his successor in training. Did you catch what I said? Elijah burned his past to a crisp. He totally eliminated his plan B. On the movie Bad Boys, right, there's a scene where they're trying to rescue Gabrielle Union. I don't know the names of the people. I just know the actresses and the actors in the movie. But if you're getting upset, don't worry about it. Say the name of the character, whatever. So they're looking for Gabrielle Union. They're they going through Cuba, and, and, and the team find themselves in a bind. 
Martin Lawrence says, we, we are stuck. What are we going to do? And Will Smith says, let's go to plan B. Martin Lawrence says, there is no plan B. They argue back and forth about whatever, whether it was plan B or not, and they, they keep trying to save Gabriel Union. And then the camera pans to some man in the cave that's with them, that's on their team, and said, plan B? What in the world is plan B? The writers are showing us that the team was fully committed and failure was not an option. Nine times out of ten, failure uh, is resorting to plan B when plan A gets too risky, too costly, or too difficult. That's why most people are living their plan B lives and not their best life. Oh, come on, somebody. They didn't burn their past and eliminate their plan B, and as a result, they dropped the true blessing to plan A. Plan A people don't have a plan B. They would rather crash and burn going after what God ordained in their dreams and then, and then to seed and, and succeed at something else. Stop listening to people tell you what you can't do because they're trying to limit you because of what they can't do. Stop letting people tell you what you can't do. If you're not over here telling me what I can do, if you're not calling me what God calls me, don't call me at all. It was, it was wild when I presented my contract and bylaws of Newbies Grove Church to several prominent pastors and asked them, should I go? Should I come, if you will? All of them said no. They said, look here, you get paid well here, you're a principal, you got your real estate company, and, 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 and they talking about putting you on probation. And, and, and they, they, they talking about paying you way less than you make here. They paying you less. They, 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 their cut is more than what some people get paid a year. You, go, you crazy if you go. All them told me that. And, 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 but, but, but the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. Because, see, you're supposed to ask people for advice, though, because where there's much, 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 much counsel, there's safety. Right? And, 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 and so I asked them. All of them said no. But the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and said, who called you? Yeah. Oh, Lord. And he said, if it's, if, it's, if it's my will, then it's my bill. If it's my vision, I will give you the provision." And he said, look here, any other church calling you the pastor? And it's funny how I guess God talked to me smart because I get smart with people. I'm going to start getting smart with y'all so God can stop getting smart with me. Why are you laughing? You don't think it's going to happen, do you? See, you ain't got no faith in this. She laughing. She tried to hold it in. But for real, I'm going to try. I'm going to do one day of not getting smart so God won't get smart with me. <laughs> and, and, and he said, I called you. And he said, I said, go. So I caught the midnight train to Georgia in reverse <laughs> and came to Virginia. Before I got here, come on, somebody, somebody called a church conference on my behalf. I hadn't even signed my contract, come on, somebody, to get my salary where I was when I was in Atlanta. Didn't have to say nothing because God would do what he needs to do because, come on, y'all don't understand. If you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added on to you. See, some of y'all running after your add-ons, but if you go what God has called you to do first, God will add everything else to your life. He'll add 
your car. He'll add your house. He'll add your spouse. He'll add you them new shoes. He'll give you the desires of your heart. But the problem is you have to make sure you do what God has called you to do first. If I would have stayed at home, I would not be as blessed I am now. If I would have been willing to leave that extra money behind, God would not be giving me a good measure of blessing, pressed down, shaking together, and running over right now. You have to learn how to be obedient to God, and when you're obedient to God, he's obligated to take care of you. Y'all better watch out. If I do what God say, he's going to bless me. See, there are moments in life where we have to be like Elisha and burn our past, our plan Bs. Elijah turned his plowing equipment into kindle and burned and barbecued his oxen. He burned his past and gave up his old life to walk in his new life. He couldn't go back because he destroyed the means for himself to return to his past. It was an end to Elijah, the farmer, and the beginning of Elijah, the prophet. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I would say something about my life, but I don't Eh, I'm not ready. I'm, I'm out here now. Yeah. See, I remember I, I talked to, to Brother Rob. I was like, man, I think I'm going to leave this NAACP stuff alone. I'm these jokes getting on my nerve. Not, not y'all, but people, people over me. I'm trying to say it right. You just give me a chance. Just give me a chance. I'm trying to fix it. I thank you for the help, my brother. I appreciate you. You're so kind. <laughs> Anyway, I was like, I, I sat here and, and the anointing hit me when I was in the NAACP meeting and people from the state and all that trying to make these different rules up that you can't run and, and be the NAACP president. And, and it's a lie because people do it all the time. But for whatever reason, you know, they want to bother me. And, and, and so God began to show me that when it's time, oh, y'all don't hear me, when it's time for you to go to the next level, sometimes God stirs your nest. Oh, y'all don't hear me. I preached a sermon like that before, and we had a nest and everything up here, but let me talk to you for a minute. Sometimes God stirs your nest. See, the, 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 the mother eaglet makes sure that the nest is real comfortable for, 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 for the eaglets when they're supposed to be in there, but when she get tired of them and she knows they need to fly on their own, she'll start turning and the nest inside out. And now the pointy uh, things are inside and the cushion and the straw begin to get moved away. And she makes it so uncomfortable that they get out the nest. Can I tell you something? Sometimes you are blaming the devil for what's going on in your life, but every now and then God will stir your nest to make sure he gets you up out of where he wants you to move from. You got so complacent with that position you had and all of a sudden God woke you up in the middle of the night and made you uncomfortable. Them people been getting on your nerves the whole time. Them people been bothering me for a whole 11 years. Now all of a sudden on the 11th year, I get tired. Why? Because the number 11 is chaos. And sometimes God will bring chaos in your life to shake some stuff out of your life so he can get the chase out of you. Can I talk to you for a minute? I know it hurt, but it's God pruning you. I know it hurt, but he's trimming out some of your limbs so he can repot you and put you in a bigger space and he's about to take you to another level, but you have to be bold enough to leave when God stirs your nest. People think that your identity comes from position. No, the position is made because I'm there. The position don't make me. 
Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. See, people will love to do what you do because when you get to that position, it'll be operated in such an anointing that everybody want to have what you got. But when you leave your post, come on, somebody, unless another anointed person take your place, it ain't going to be able to do. They're not going to be able to do what it is you used to do. You better watch out, somebody. Stop letting people dictate what you do in your life and stop being so scared to let go of something and get you. A monkey can't get to the next limb until he let go of the one behind. You better watch out. You got to learn how to let go of your past so God can take you to another level. Ooh, y'all looking at me. I'm trying, my brother. I'm trying. Thank you for the encouragement. Feel like I'm in a basketball game. Watch out, baby. (laughs) He couldn't go back. He destroyed it. Stop and think about the symbolism of what Elisha just did. Elisha literally cooked his old life away. He eliminated the possibility of going back to farming by eating his own oxen and burning his plowing equipment. It doesn't matter what you're trying to do. Lose weight, complete a dissertation, train for a marathon. The first step is always the longest and hardest. In order to step toward the future, you have to let go of your past. Set it on fire and eliminate all possibilities of going back. <laughs> That's how you go after vision. That's how you break strongholds. That's how you press toward the mark. You leave the past in the past, light it on fire and let it burn. Tell your neighbor, my past, my past, my past is on fire. I don't need no water. Let my wretched past. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah, that was, that was your, your spirit. That was, that, was, that was a good top player. It's, it's, it's his fault. <laughs> Set it on fire. Oh, I think it's called the, the, the gridiron gang and the big, the big black dude, uh, Michael Clark Duncan, he said something. He said, man, your future don't care nothing about your past. Man, that was one of the best lines I heard in my life. Your future don't care about your past. Your future don't care about your past sins. God has redeemed you. He sent his son to walk down 40 and two burning generation and robe himself in the flesh and come out Emmanuel. God is with us to bring the fruition of soteriological dispensation that there be no shedding of blood, there be no remission of sins. Come on, somebody. He became the perpetuation for your sin. He died for you. One, oh, y'all don't hear me. He died for you. And so your past doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when they bring up scandals that already happened in your life. It doesn't matter when they lie or talk even when it's the truth about something you've been through. God can use anybody he want to use. You better watch out. He used Abraham and he couldn't stop lying. He used Jeremiah and he was a crybaby. He used Isaiah and he would cuss everybody out. He used Moses and he was a murderer. He used Noah and he was an alcoholic. He used Samson and he couldn't stay out of Delilah's house. He used David and he couldn't stay out of nobody's house. If he can use those wretched men of God he can use you. So what your past? So what what you did? I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. God don't look at me. He look at the blood. He don't see Maxwell. He see the blood of Jesus. He, 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 he don't see, he don't see the, the mess you see. He sees the blood. He, he sees the mantle. He, he sees the grace. He, 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 he calls you righteous. But you ain't. You justified by faith. 
Uh-huh. People didn't call me a lot of things, but they might not have called me righteous. I'm just glad God called me righteous, even though I'm not righteous. And he made sure we knew that he knew that he knew that we weren't righteous. Because he said, he ain't said you were righteous. He said, I call you righteous. You need to understand you're righteous because you're covered and redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. And you sin just like everybody else, but you got enough sense to go to God and ask for forgiveness. And he'll forget about your past. He's already redeemed you. Let me, let me get out of here. Let me hurry up. Let me, let, let, let me, let me talk about it. See, <laughs> You got to press toward the mark. You got to leave your past in the past. See, Elisha didn't need to burn his found equipment to follow Elijah, but he made a statement. It was a statement of faith. There was no turning back. If his prophetic apprenticeship with Elijah didn't work out, he had no place else to go. This was the moment Elisha totally bought in. He was fully present in the here and now. It's not living past tense or future tense, that doesn't mean you don't learn from the past or plan for the future, but don't live there. You live and you have to live as though each day is your first day and last day of your life. Why are you always going to put up signs? Because I might lose. Why you always do that? You don't never sit down because I live every day like it's my last day because I don't know when I die. Some people might say I'm younger than somebody that's 70 years old, but if I only got two more weeks to live, then by fact, I'm older than them. You got to watch out and understand that you got to live your life as if you got to leave everything on the table. When God tells me what he wants me to do, I try to get there the same day and I go with that tenacity and that passion because I don't live in the past or the Future. I live in today because tomorrow is not promised. That's the problem with everybody. You think you got all this time, but you don't know the day nor the hour. You don't know when your time comes. He said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Day by day, I, that's why I say, Lord, I pray, give me my daily bread because tomorrow I might not need no bread because I may not open my eyes, but give me my daily bread. You got to live for now. The problem is you think you got all this time. Woo. Let me go on and get back in my sermon. Yeah. <laughs> Have you made a statement of faith? A defining decision accompanied by dramatic action that symbolizes your absolute commitment to Jesus Christ and his cause. Remember the tax collector who put all his faith in Christ? He gave half his possession to the poor. That isn't what saved him, but the dramatic action was evidence of a defining decision in his life. He also offered to pay back four times as much to anyone he cheated. That's a commitment. I'll pay you back. But I ain't giving you four times. I ain't that good of a pastor yet. I ain't grown. I got to keep hanging around Macbeth and other folk like that because I ain't giving you four times. Nothing. <laughs> but, 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 but before he met Jesus, money was his God. It made sense that he made a statement relating to finances. 
Remember the prostitute that anointed Jesus? She broke open her alabaster jar. That isn't what saved her, but that dramatic action was evidence of a defining decision. She gave her most precious possession to Jesus. Not only was it worth a lot of money, it was also a part of her sex appeal. Breaking it open was her way of setting a fire to her past and letting it burn. Giving up that jar to serve Jesus was her way of giving her former life to Jesus. Remember the revival in Ephesus? Those who practiced sorcery burned their scrolls publicly. <clears throat> Those scrolls were worth an estimate 50,000 drachmas. A drachma was a silver coin worth a day's wages. It, if you calculated what it's worth today, you would discover that those people made nearly a $4 million statement. They burned $4 million worth of their livelihood, and you worried about giving an extra $20 for cans. $4 million. My God. The problem with us is that we want God to do something new while we do the same thing. We want God to change our circumstances without ever changing at all, right? Einstein would call you insane. If you want new wine, you need to go get some new wine skin. Y'all don't hear me. Y'all don't hear me. <laughs> Ain't it funny? If I give you, if you give me $20, for something that costs $5, and I walk away, you're going to be mad. Why? Because you want your change. So does God. He wants his change. He wants you to change so he can do something mighty in your life. You want your change, God wants his change. You keep trying to do the same thing and thinking God is going to do something different. Oh, Look here, look here. He wants you to live for now. Remember, God told Moses, he said, strike the rock and get water. The next time God told Moses to pray to the rock, but Moses got mad and struck the rock. And God got mad. Why? Because Moses was trying to live today on yesterday's word. See, the problem with church is, we well, never done it that way before. We ain't never done that. Y'all had them people didn't, didn't make it to the promise. Only two people from Moses' generation made it to the promised land, and that was Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because everybody else was like, Moses, hold on. When we went through the Red Sea, we ain't step in the water first. Hold on, Joshua. You're getting a little too, uh-uh. You need to spread out first. You're talking about stepping in the water first. Uh-uh. That ain't what we did with Moses. He had a staff. You ain't even got no staff. How you going to lead us? You ain't even got no staff. Because everybody want to be the same way. God does not want you to get caught up with the method. He wants you to get caught in with him. Huh? That's why churches, you can almost predict what Sunday folk going to come because you, finally y'all did some mystery. Because at the end of the day, oh yeah, first Sunday this choir, second Sunday this choir, I don't like this choir, I ain't coming on third Sunday. And everybody come on based on the choir that's singing because people so caught up in the method and not the method maker. They caught up in the blessing and not the blesser. 
It doesn't matter what song somebody sings. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. At the end of the day, as long as you're worshiping God, as long as it's giving holy hands to God, it doesn't matter what genre it is. It doesn't matter if it sounds white, black, Hispanic, or what. As long as you're giving glory to God, he's pleased. And we can't have your same track you like every Sunday because we got to please somebody else because all y'all don't hear me. If you just learn how to worship God in spirit and in truth, you are coming here worshiping God without music. You better watch out, somebody. Oh, you don't hear me. Y'all don't hear me every now and then. I'll be in one life out there praying in tongues with my headphones, scaring the mess out the staff because I just can't help. But when I think about the goodness of God, it makes me just shout every now and Oh, y'all don't hear me. Some of y'all came up doing Jim Crow and you, you couldn't even go nowhere. Now you don't know where you want to sit. You can sit wherever you want to sit. Some of y'all only had one pair of shoes. Now you late to church trying to figure out what pair to wear. And you worried about talking about God has not been good to you. Some of y'all came up when strange fruit was hanging on the trees. Yet you made it through and you still here. God has been mighty, mighty good to you. And you don't even want to change for him. He died for you. Why can't you live for him? I'm trying. I'm trying to get out of here. Stop dwelling on your past failures. Don't even dwell on your past successes. Because some folks stuck talking about what they did in 1985. In 1985, we laid the first brick for the humanitarian Baptist church. And it was good. <laughs> we ain't finished building it, but I laid that first brick down there, boy. <laughs> you got to press toward the mark of his holy call. Stop getting caught up in your past and press towards your future. See, you got to stop regretting your past and start learning from it. See, you keep regretting, you better learn from it. Let it go. Stop feeling guilty and accept God's grace. Stop putting yourself through guilt trips and allow God's spirit to heal you. You cannot separate yourself from your past, but God wants to reconcile your past by redeeming it. God can recycle you. Come on, somebody. If you can use a Coke can again. Come on, somebody. If you can recycle a newspaper. If you can go put a plastic container in a bin and then come back a new plastic container. Why in the world God can't redeem you and change you? Come on, somebody. If you can, oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. God will recycle you. Old school preachers say it like this. He'll pick you up, turn you around, put your feet on solid ground. That's old school. But I ain't old school yet, so I ain't going to say that. <laughs> the spiritual tipping point is when the pain of staying somewhere becomes greater than the pain of change. Oh, y'all don't hear me. There's an old story about a dog that was on a nail and it was barking all night. Arr, I don't know if it sounded like that, but it was barking. And, and the neighbor came by and knocked on the door and said, hey, why your dog keep howling? And he said, because he laying on a nail. And he said, well, when he going to get off the nail and stop howling? When the pain hurt enough. Come on, somebody. 
Sometimes God allows you to go through some pain to change you because you won't change on your own. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all remember some painful situations you went through and said, I never do that again because God gave you enough mercy to keep you here but let you have enough pain to change you. Every now and then, you got to stop blaming the devil because every now and then, God will gut punch you because he wants you to change. The Bible says he chastised those who he loved. He loved you, so he chastised you. And see, you got to understand, he said, my rod and my staff shall comfort you. Can I tell you something? Sometimes that rod ain't for your enemies. Sometimes that rod for you. Huh? I remember one day my brother's shoe fell off. And we was at, and I was little, I had to be, I couldn't have been no more than five or six years old. Uh, had to be five because we were still living in the other house. And we was down on Decatur Street, and, a, and my brother's shoe fell off. And, and, a bus would come. I remember the wheel was so big, and I reached to grab the shoe, and my dad grabbed me and pow, hit me so hard. And I looked at him, and he said, I can get another shoe, but I can't get another you. Oh, y'all, y'all don't hear me. I get another shoe. Like, don't reach out there. And, 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 and I look both ways all the time there. Hold on, Carl. Because <laughs> well, I learned my lesson. And sometimes God will pop you on your backside to make sure. Oh, y'all don't hear me. But every now and then, God will hit you on your backside to make sure you praise him too. Come on, somebody. I remember that doctor. I was going to go get him because when I first was born, he hit me on my backside and made me cry. And I still remember this 48 years later. on this plan. Joker hit me. But they do it to get the film out of your lungs. They do it so when you holler, all the impediments of all the, uh, the juices and water that you were in come up out of you. Can I tell you something? If you're going through something right now and you're still in the same place, God is going to gut punch you if you don't learn how to praise yourself. You need to open up your mouth and give God a holy shout of praise and get the impediments of faith out of you. Get, the, get all the past infirmities out of you. Get all the setbacks and failures out of you. You, you got to learn how to just say, shout. Oh, y'all better watch out. Shout in the Greek means to rip your enemy apart piece by piece. That's what it means in the Greek. So when you shout in the midst of trouble, the devil don't know what to do. You're whipping him apart piece by piece. You better ask Gideon, what did they do when they went to the wall? They shouted. What did they do when they went to Jericho? They shouted and the walls came down. If you can just shout every now and then and give God a sacrifice of praise, some walls will come down in your life. Some enemies will fall down in your life. Some setbacks will... I'm trying to talk to somebody. Hold on. Got to get back in. I got, I, got, I got politicians here. Hold on. Just got to gather myself. <laughs> e Elisha was... <laughs> Elisha was born and raised <laughs> in a region of Israel known as Abel Mahola. The English meaning of the Hebrew word is metal of the dancing, the total opposite of Lodabar. <laughs> he grew up rich. His family resided in the prosperous region of the Jordan Valley. His family had 12 yoke of oxen. Most families only had one yoke. One yoke is two. 12 is 24, because, you know, a yoke has to have two oxen. They balling. They were wealthy. For Elijah to burn the oxen, he was burning his inheritance and his, 
and, and his, his uh, arsenic action probably cut him out the wheel too. This bold act made him bold enough to ask God for a double portion of Elijah's anointing. Because Elijah committed 100% to God, God granted Elisha his request. When you give your all to God, he will give his all to you. God will never let you outgive him, never. But remember, you have not because you ask not. Just because God knows what you want doesn't mean he will grant it automatically. Come on, somebody. Remember when the blind man said, Lord, Lord, Jesus, have mercy on us. He said, what do you want? Of course you know they want that sight, but he wanted them to say what they wanted. You got to tell God what you want. Oh, y'all better hear him. Old school to tell you. Oh, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. You better tell God what you want. You better tell him, I want to win this election. You better tell him, I want to get this job. You have not because you ask not. The power of life and death is in the power of your tongue. Speak what you want, baby. Call those things that be not as though they were. The problem is you call it what you don't want. But as DMX. Y'all going to make me lose my mind. He lost it. Stop saying what you don't want. Tupac, oh, Lord, mama don't cry even when they kill me. They killed him. He was not a prophet. He got what he asked for. You talk about death, that's what you get because the power is in your tongue. Elijah asked for a double portion of Elijah's anointing, and God granted it. Christians record 14 miracles by Elijah and 28 miracles by Elisha. That's exactly double. Elisha could have lived his entire life in the richness of the dancing meadow. So can you. You can play it safe instead of stepping out on faith. You can protect your reputation instead of risking it. See, that's what I was saying. I'm like, man, I don't want to run for office. I'm like, man, my brand too good. What if I lose? And I said, if I lose, I ain't going to church no more. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm going to still come. But, but what I'm saying is you got to learn how to risk if you want something. If you want to do greatness for God, you got to step out on faith. Peter stepped out on the water. He didn't sink till he started looking at the other stuff. The problem, once you get out there, you got to keep looking at Jesus. You know why he wants you in the middle of the water? Because he knows you won't turn to nobody else but him. Because sometimes when you turn to other folk, when you so far deep out there, ooh, Lord. Help me, brother. I appreciate you. Got a preaching partner out there. Y'all better watch out. You ain't getting no check, though. Hey, God. <laughs> I can't with this dude. I can't. God gave Elisha <laughs> a double portion because he wasn't willing to give up all he had to follow God. Therefore, God honored his faithfulness. <laughs> Look here. Look here, if Jesus emptied himself of his divinity, glory, and majesty, and thought it not robbery not to be equal with God, but to come as a servant, why is it so hard for us to take a demotion when God tells us to? Are you willing to start over for God? Are you willing to leave your job, give up your money, give someone a second chance? Every success story in the kingdom of God begins with giving up something. You know that? In God's upside-down kingdom, a step down is really a step up. And if you're willing to be demoted in the eyes of man, then you're ready to be promoted by God himself. 
Oh, y'all better watch out. I told y'all how I left how I left the real estate and God wouldn't let me do the real estate now. I, I ain't got to do nothing. The real estate stuff just happened. Come on, somebody. God just send folk to me. I ain't even got to go look for nobody because I gave it up for him. When you learn how to give up your Isaac and you learn how to put it on the sacrificial block, God will give it back to you, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. The problem with somebody, we don't even know how to give up our Ishmael. If you can't give up your Ishmael, I know you can't give up your Isaac, but if you can just put on the altar whatever God takes to put on the altar because if you love to give more than the gift giver, God has stopped giving it to you because he don't want the blessing to mess you up. Y'all don't hear me? The worst thing Adam said was, the woman you gave me made me do it. After that, God said, go find your own wife. Remember he said that? A man that found a wife, so I gotta go find, you got to go find her yourself. God ain't going to give you nobody. He's going to blame me. Everybody going to have a hard time. <laughs> God said, you going to blame me for this no more. Go find your own. <laughs> Pray about everything else, but I ain't, ain't going to do all that for you. Maybe that misses for me. Anyway, it's difficult. It's difficult to imagine burning your entire business or inheritance. But what in your past or habits do you need to set on fire and let burn? What past successes and failures do you need to forget in order to move forward and press toward the mark? What bad habit, what sin, what regret, what guilt? The devil will always use your past failures and successes to hold you back. Satan will use anything in your past to keep you anchored in the same place. I told you when you ride a motorcycle, if you don't want to hit that organ, you better not look at it because your motorcycle go wherever you look. And so you got to look where you want to go. And some of you all keep going in the past because every time somebody reminds you of where you used to be, you look back and you lose some steps. Every, and I told you the time when I had all these records in DeKalb County and in Fulton County School always winning. And my coach always said, don't look back. Running my last race. Look back at the last second. Lost by a second. Why? Because I was looking back at something that had already passed me by. And when you begin to look, oh, y'all don't hear me. Facebook is a distraction. Stop answering everybody. You going toward here. You pressing toward here. All of a sudden, somebody say this, and you got to sit there. I mean, go tell this lady. My, my, my. Oh, let me go tell them this. And you keep answering that instead of working on what God told you to work on. You got to look toward the hills from which cometh your help and stop looking at these distractions that come at you. Stop worrying about what people say. The daily press asks me, hey, is any negativity going on? Is, what's happened? Does your opponent say that? I don't care what my opponent say. All I need to do is what I'm supposed to do. I can't worry about nobody else. <laughs> well, I heard this. I don't care what you heard. You got to be killing people. Like, I heard this. I heard that. I ain't got time to hear all this stuff. In fact, if you hear stuff all the time, apparently you riding with them because you showed them over here everything my enemies say to me. You got to let people know I ain't got time for no cat fights and dog fights. I ain't got, I got a devil to fight. I got a vision to obtain. I can't worry about my past. I can't worry about what people are saying about me. All I can do is look toward the hill from which cometh my help. Because I already know he's the author and finisher. The beginning and the end. The alpha and the omega. And if I keep walking and faint not, I may live like Jacob. My teeth may be busted. My lip may be bleeding. My eyes may be swollen, but I'm telling you right now, 
may be broken, but I ain't going to be beat. I may be broken, but I'm going to make it where God has called me to be. You got it. I'm tired. The problem is, can I tell you something? And I'm going to sit down. You cannot make contemporary decisions based on historical pain. You can't. Some of us are stuck because you keep down walking down memory lane. New man taking care of you, but you keep walking down memory lane. You keep remembering when you had love on a two-way street and lost it on a lonely highway. You heard me? Stop worrying. Stop reminiscing about stuff that has passed you by. Burn that past. Set it on fire. He's the author and finisher. You're going to win. You're going to live and not die. Oh, my God. I just got to say this. Just let it burn. Just let it burn. Let it burn. Let your past burn. When people bring up stuff from your past, stop talking to them. Anytime you, I remember this one person, every time I saw him, all you got to talk about, oh, remember Jordan or something, remember you do that, remember you do that. Man, I don't want to hear all that no more. It's over. I might use it every now and then in a, in a sermon, but every day I don't want to talk about that. So I had to stop answering the phone because I don't want to keep remembering all the stuff I used to do that went right. I don't want to hear all that. I don't want to keep living back there. Don't let anybody or anything or even yourself cause you to live in your past because your future is always brighter. He said your latter days, he said your latter days will be more blessed than your former days. It's always going to be better. I don't care how long you live. <clears throat> you got to remember this. They said I was young, but now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. <clears throat> the longer you live, the more you should understand how faithful God is. And when you go through stuff, you might get a little nervous, but it won't make you have anxiety. What, people, what I tell people, when I was like, like I said the other week, this young lady said she, she doesn't like getting in front of people. And how do I do it? I said, I don't like getting in front of people either. I'm always nervous. That's why I joke and kind of bring myself uh, together. And I said, she said, you be nervous still? I said, yes. I said, I'm going to tell you like this old school preacher told me. He said, you always going to get nervous, but because you've done it so long, the butterflies fly in formation, which means you already know the feeling that's going to happen. So you can take that not only just with speaking in front of people, you can take that to your life. You've been through this before. You done been through campaigns. You ought to know, hey, hey I got to go through this again. Ah. Now me, I should be the one going crazy. This is my first time. But if you've been through it before, you should already know what this is going to happen. And they're going to say this. And you should already, it should be flying in formation. And the reason why God is good to talk to old school people is because they mature enough to understand what you've gone through. You can tell them five cents, I did this, I did this. Oh, man, don't worry about it. Just sit down for a minute. She'll call you back. She's just mad at you. Go, go on. Go on, sit down. She ain't talked to you for two days. It's just two, but two days. Oh, but that's, that's like five minutes, man. She'll be all right. <laughs> 
you understand what I'm saying? Let your past burn. Learn from it, but don't live in it.